Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, this is Mark Lee Morrison from the podcast Low Profile. I live in Olympia, Washington with my wife and two daughters, and I support Vishkana's creative control on Patreon because I appreciate his journalistic integrity. Vish talks with a lot of artists I care about, and he never asks any boring questions. I love hearing his interviews, and as a Patreon supporter, I get to hear even more of them. If you enjoy creative control too, I implore you to join me as a sustaining contributor. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. Lisa Anderson is a tremendously gifted multi-instrumentalist who has long called Portland, Oregon home. Renowned as a guitarist who creates wondrous instrumental albums on her own, Anderson recently released two stunning collaborative records, 2020's The Quickening with Jim White and 2021's Lost Futures with William Tyler. Anderson is back on her own for the remarkable album Still Here, which was released on September 23rd, 2022 by Thrill Jockey Records. And she returns to this show for the fifth time to discuss things like uh, being a cool aunt, the making of and meaning within, still here, why she views this new solo album as more of a trio record, her fascinating relationship with piano, mindfulness, making demos and pavement b-sides, how she pays homage to tradition and certain artists, Mexican folk songs, the streets of Laredo, and how history helps us make sense of the present, songs for loneliness and grieving, touring again, other future plans, and much more. 
a part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control where you can hear episodes of this show a little bit earlier than everybody else. Plus uh, additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff will happily help you order things or buy things. Say you want to buy, you know, you want to order "Still Here" by Marisa Anderson, or you know, find out if it's in stock. Head over to Blackbird.ca. You can order the records right there, and and they'll you can talk to someone. It's great. Blackbird.ca for more info there. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 718 of Creative Control, featuring the wonderfully talented and thoughtful Marisa Anderson with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Marisa. How are you? Bish, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm well, thank you. Uh, it's nice to talk to you again. Every year, yeah, I feel like I we talk now. I think we kind of have this date, yeah, regularly. <laughs> well, <laughs> I talk a... to you more than I talk to some of my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a testament to your uh, prolific output, if I might say. There's always a new record. There's always something to talk about. So uh, in advance, let me thank you for that. Um, as I always do, let's establish where you are. Where in the world are you today? I am in Portland, Oregon, USA today. How is your day shaping up in Portland, Oregon, USA today? Ooh, it started very early. I took my 10-year-old nephew to the airport at 6 in the morning and had to wait until his plane took off around 9. So I had a long morning waiting in an airport, which oh. is, you know, something that I do a lot of, but usually I'm the one getting on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I gather uh, your nephew was uh, making a solo visit to you. Is that how that worked or...? Yeah, my sister drove up with him and his sister and then drove back down to California where they live just with his sister leaving him with me for a few days this week, Oh, which was the first time that we've done that. It was very fun. Oh, I'm nice. also very tired. <laughs> hey, I got two of those myself. They're mine. I yeah. have to deal with yeah, them. I know. You fact, have them all the time. I was yeah. delayed uh, getting us going just to ensure my daughter and uh, their friend uh, went somewhere else because their room is right above right. me and they stomp and they were making... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, can you split? I got to do a thing. And they're like, all right. You know, that's what it's like. Anyway... That's fun. That's great. What kinds of, uh, do you like being an ant? What kinds of things do you get up to? I love being an ant. I have four of them running around in the world, the children of my siblings, and I love them. I love being an ant. Uh, yesterday, just for example, yesterday there was ramen eating. For It was his first ramen ever. He liked it. Thumbs up. We went hiking. We went swimming. We went to the drum store because he's a drummer. We There was some dog walking. There was movie watching and game night. All oh in one day. God, you must be exhausted. <laughs> wow. I <was> like, <laughs> yeah, I try to. I try to do it right. You know. There's something about ramen. The children. I'm surprised. I mean, in our case, we used to go out for ramen uh, in Guelph uh, mostly. That's where uh, my son, anyway, was most exposed to ramen. Maybe I took them to the Toronto place. I can't remember. But anyway, now, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to think of it, a lot of Mr. Noodle, the fake. You know, the store-bought oh. ramen. 
uh, which right, I right. I augmented yesterday. I made ramen for, for leave on for lunch yesterday, and I augmented it with soy chunks, uh, which uh, for the first time uh, for protein, which they described as tasting like dirt. <laughs> so I was like, I'm sorry, dirt. It t- Did you it ask just them t- how much dirt they've eaten? I don't know. There? That's hilarious because that's my daughter's trick. Like, how do you know what garbage tastes like? I'm like, uh, okay, that's a good. They they've got it. We right. never had that when I was a kid, where you can be like, how do you know what it tastes like to eat crap? Like, you know, they've got that already. They're smarter than us, is what I'm saying, uh, and they're on to us. Much. No, that's that sounds fun. So your nephew's a drummer. Uh, we all, those of yeah. us who know you know you're a musician. Did you jam? Do you jam with your nephew? No, no, no. he he didn't bring his drums. Well, you yes, <laughs> of course, I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you got some kicking around the house. I don't know. Sometimes I do, but I gave them to the drummer who lives across the street, who's yeah. 15. So I wasn't using my drums enough, and I was like, Sylvia, you take these because you're drumming more than I am. And so yeah. my drums live at Sylvia's house now. I see. And that's cool too. So you, did you say 10 or 11-year-old? I can't remember. My nephew's 10. 10. So yeah. uh, does he think Aunt, Auntie Marisa is super cool? Auntie Marisa goes touring and plays music with people? Or is it just like, eh, that's just what that's just what Aunt Marisa does? Do you, do you have a sense of I don't that? know. You know, huh. we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Does he, they're, they're, he's aware that you're a musician. Yeah, he's level. come to see me play at festivals before. Okay. And I think I think he knows that's cool. Whether or not he thinks it's cool, he knows it's cool. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and that's enough. I wasn't... I just wonder... Sometimes the kids don't... Like, I did a thing for some sort of a, a parent-teacher... No, what was it? Uh, in my When my daughter was in grade one, it was virtual, but I had to do, like, uh, a parent talk about your career day. Like, talk about your your yeah. job or whatever. And I ended up talking about uh, radio stuff and podcasting. The kids' questions were great. They're just like, do you own a microphone? Yes, I do own a <laughs> microphone. Does it work? <laughs> yep, it works. So those are fun questions. But to this day, so that was like two years ago, to this day, the, the parents of those children are like, oh yeah, uh, Molly was asking about your microphone. You know, they, they just it registered <laughs> with them because it was, and the teacher was like, no, everyone else was like a normal sort of job right, right. if you will so all i'm getting at is sometimes i think it registers with the kids when something is kind of special or cool vocationally and i yeah. like to think it inspires them um that's all i'm getting i think at it does yeah i like you know i like to think that those kids see more possibilities in the world you know exactly through through me or through whatever their parents i hope yeah yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you've had uh, that experience because uh, sometimes as adults, we forget what it's like to see the uh, world through the eyes of children. So when you have yeah. <laughs> nieces oh, and nephews, it. yeah. I love it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. again, congratulations on this record, uh, which is called Still Thanks. Here. Now, cleverly, and for those who can't see it right now, it is still, comma, here. Right? Do I have that correct? That is correct. And I didn't realize when I named it that that there was almost no way to say it that implied the actual meaning of the title, which, oh, well, it's already named. <laughs> no, I think as a, what is it, would it be? A typographical visual cue. I find it clever. Yeah. I find it really, again, I'm going to bring stuff, uh, anyone listening to your record or processing the artwork or what have you is going to bring their own stuff to it, obviously. I feel like mm-hmm. that's a title that really cleverly captures uh, what you've gone through, what a lot of us have been going through with st- mm-hmm. stillness. 
Do you want to elaborate? I know it's probably obvious, but can you elaborate upon why that decision was made? It could have been still here, but it's still... Yeah, but it's not about the act of remaining or yes. carrying on or it's it's about it's about presence and mindfulness and I don't want to say stillness cuz that's too obvious, right? But it, it's yeah, it's it's about presence. You know, it's not so much that we persist or we endure or whatever, it's more that we are each right here and right now wherever and whenever that is. Yes, exactly. So can... And that I am in the making of the record, that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're here. We're all here as well. So uh-huh. We're, uh-huh. we're not not here. Can you think on what inspired you to make that choice and, and convey that with this batch of songs? I really don't know. Naming rec- naming anything is very difficult for me. Um, and so I don't, there's no, there's not linear, I don't have a linear thought process around it. It just kind of swirls around in a stew until something, you know, the, the list was short to pick from of things that might work. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Vish. No. And I appreciate that you might not know. There's actually a really fascinating quote in the biographical information that I was sent um, about it's it's attributed to you. I don't get ideas and then turn to the guitar. Rather, I turn to the guitar to find out what my ideas are. I turn towards yes. it for meaning. So something kind of enigmatic and esoteric is going on there. Um, and I I can see you taking as a musician as an artist. You do take solace in your work. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is that a fair assessment? I take a lot of different emotional states from it solace being one of them but like that quote implies it's it helps me playing playing guitar or the the state of being that i get into when i play you know it it helps me unravel lots of different things in the world or inside of me um you know i've been doing it for so long and it's such a personal practice even though i i do play with others the my primary practice is a very solo one and maybe it's the equivalent, you know, that feeling when you go on a long drive and you're on your own, you know, and your, your head works stuff out that you didn't even know was in question, right? It's everything kind of bubbles up. That's a little bit what that is about, but also it's something even just more simple than that. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just something like, I would say it's like a somatic it's a somatic thing. Like the act of playing music just informs me like like the physical somatic touching of the instrument and hearing and, and trying to feel what the next thing is, you know, because most of what I do at home and is improv. It's very, it's like baseline for me, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And what you're getting at, I think, is, and earlier you invoked mindfulness, which I think we're we're getting into the realms of what people conventionally think of um, in terms of meditation or meditative acts mm-hmm. or med- meditative processes, sure. and I've I've talked about this a few times on this show with various people, and I you know I'm starting to doubt the veracity of this. So I don't know why I'm just getting to that age where I'm like, is what I think and remember actually right? I remember as a child reading a quote from Isaac Asimov, uh, where he said that when he had a problem, uh, like a problem with a scientific problem or something he couldn't figure out the problem he used to struggle with that and he would if if for your example for you if you're like i can't figure out this guitar part i can't figure it out 
what he would do was he would go to the movies. Mm. And he would go to the movies and forget it. He'd forget the problem. Mm-hmm. And he, he Absolutely. claimed that when he came out of the movies, the solution came to him. So you're getting into that subconscious. I don't know if that's where you were going, but this notion of like you can focus on something and come to a dead end. But sometimes you're, the way our brains work, the way our minds work rather, is that it's still doing the work that you think you're... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And for me, the three things that I know that I can do, well, maybe four, right, is sleeping, walking, driving are the ways that when I can't work it out on guitar, those are then the three ways that if I just put the thing down, go on a walk, go to sleep, go on a drive, it'll be there. It'll be there when I come back. And especially with the sleeping one, I've, you know, over, over how long I've been doing it, kind of know how to program it in there before sleep, you know, and so I can access it right away when I wake up. There's the thing people are supposed to do where they write it down. That's supposed to Mm -hmm. help you uh, get it out of your system. Like a sleep specialist, say, if something's plaguing you, write it down before you go to bed. And then at least I think that only works for language. Oh, it doesn't work for artistic expression. The stuff that I would be trying to work out is part of the problem is to get it off of the language plane. I see. Okay. All right. No, that makes sense. We're not going to figure this out completely, but I I think we've had these kinds of conversations before um, where you've said, I don't know. I don't actually know <laughs> where something came from. Probably. But I've accepted that, that it exists. It's here. Yeah. yeah like even yeah. though I can't tell you why I did what I did, it just happened. So yeah. does that suggest, and I know we're getting into your whole practice, not, this, not just this record. Uh, you pick up a guitar... For the most part, uh, is it a, is it a case that you don't know what's going to happen? Um, I know that's correct. That's correct. Uh, so every yeah. every composition we hear from you, or every improvisation we hear from you, it's just what happened on some yes. level. Okay. Yeah. So you've accepted that there are must be instances where on a on a Wednesday you pick up the guitar and it doesn't communicate with you. Is that fair? Totally. Yeah, so what, that's all the time. <laughs> happens all the time. What does that yeah. do? What does that do to your Wednesday? You go back Thursday, I'm guessing, it's, knowing you, but what happens on that? Oh, my God, the guitar. Well, that's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, do you have a good idea every day of your life? No. I don't. Yeah. It's arguable I've never had a good idea one day in my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, no, I know. I, I play guitar, too, in some days, and I don't know what I'm doing exactly. I've been doing it a long time. Sorry, I was pointing to the guitar behind me. And I, I, I pick it, it up. Mm-hmm. As, when things are rendering here or loading in mm-hmm. the audio technical mm-hmm. terms, I mm-hmm. pick up that guitar and I wail away at it and I come up with riffs and I'm like, yeah, it's great. And then I play the riff to death because I don't play with anyone right now. And I, guitar is not even my first instrument. But I just can't help it. Uh, but then some days, uh, the same thing I was very proud of a week before. Uh, like, like I was like, oh, that felt good. I can't do it. And I don't know if it's my Absolutely. my mind and my hands. Like I don't know. Have you had that on tour? That must be scary if you have. Like where you're like ah. No, I mean the I, my process is a real like work back backwards in a way. So the recordings are all kind of these, you know, just me in my space doing whatever it is, and then from that, I mean, there can be hours and hours and hours, and most of it is the bad ideas, mm. or you know, you, they feel good at the time. They're they're working. A purpose at the time they're satisfying in the moment but then as a you know listening back it's like eh, 
they're they're what they're whatever you know yeah. it's most of it yeah. so the you carve out the record from hours and hours of mostly mediocre things and then from that record i can carve out usually four pieces that will make it to the stage mm. and then yeah that's that's what that is so by the time they've made it to the stage they've been vetted and turned into something that i can access like and that and that's part of a daily practice right it's yeah. like so on that you know on that wednesday where i'm not like coming up with anything new i'm also still having to like keep my set up like i have to go in front of people and play for an hour well i have to know what i'm gonna yeah. do there because i like i can improvise with other people for a show but i have found through experience that i don't enjoy solo improvising in front of people it doesn't work for me so i need to i need to have a set yeah. and whether that set contains you know, it, it, it runs the gamut from very set pieces to pretty free pieces to pieces that are writing themselves every night. Yeah. But I need to know what I'm doing. I want to bookmark what you were just saying about the solo versus collaborative aspects of your work, just because uh, in if I recall correctly, as you and I have spoken four or five times, three, four times, I don't remember what it is. Two of them were by ourselves. Uh, the last two, I believe, one was with Jim White, one was with mm-hmm. William Tyler. So yes. your collaborator. So I want to just talk about, and now you're, from what I can tell, uh, based on the credits and what I can hear, you're on your own again with this record. Yes. Um, good. Thanks for confirming that. I want to bookmark that. But you did say something that I want to get to about the playback, the demo, if you will, the recording of the idea and uh-huh. how how that can sometimes counter what your experience was, what your mind was telling you was a good idea. That's just, sorry, we're talking about mindfulness and I don't, I'm not a psychologist, but that's an, I've, everyone's had that. Every musician has been like, oh, I can't wait to put this down so I can work on it. And then they start going and they're like, huh, huh. The actual, yeah. end, the, 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 the artifact of my idea is not meshing with what my, what I heard on its own or what I thought was a good idea. I don't have a real question there, but that's a fascinating thing you bring up since we're talking about mindfulness and and recognizing that you're communicating with your instrument. The recording can sometimes be like, that was a bad conversation you and your instrument were having, you know? Have mm-hmm. you had that? Or like, have you wrestled with that? Like, why is the demo? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even with records, like, you know, you make them and you're half in love with them and half totally terrified that anyone would ever hear them. And you swing between those two poles, you, one, I, um, swings yeah. between those two poles constantly. Like, you know, I, I can't listen to my old records and sometimes I have to because there's like a research thing that I have to do with that. But mostly it's like, for me, it's a process of like excitement to this is terrible. Like that's, and I just accept that, I suppose. And I think most of the ideas that don't make it are still useful. They're a they're a process. They're on the road to something, you know? It's like still just working out, you know, the best way to convey whatever it is that I'm think I'm might be trying to convey. If you love certain artists, um, and you follow their trajectory, if you're lucky you will encounter a thing where they'll put out their album uh and then the album will be accompanied by singles and the singles will have B sides. And what you're meant to understand right. is these recordings were captured at the same time as the album that you cherished, that the that the artist decided was what the album was going to be. But the B-sides, just by their very name, are the lesser, right? 
But I have theories that, like, for example, I don't know if you care for them much, but one of my favorite bands uh, is Pavement. And I've had this theory that Pavement's B-sides are almost more fascinating than what ended up on the record. But given what we're talking about, I can't help but think that the artist, in this case Pavement, goes through the sequence of all the stuff they've done and decided this doesn't fit or this is lesser, so we're not going to put it on the record, but it's going to have another life. And and, mm-hmm. and then fans like me are like, they had a thing recently in the last few years where a B-side blew up on Spotify for some reason. No rhyme, no reason. Or maybe there was at the time. I forget. And they don't understand it, but they had to bring it into their set list now because it just felt like everyone was loving the song. All this to say, uh-huh. I, I don't, again, I just think that's a weird part of your process as a musician. You would maybe come up with 14 songs, but decide somehow that two of them aren't going to go on the record. Or you know what I mean? You must have had that. At I some do point. know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I think that some of some of the songs on Still Here, at least a couple of them started with ideas that I was working with while I was making Cloud Corner and didn't make it onto that record and were were discarded before they were completed. Like there was just, you know, pieces, things um, that were for one reason or another. It was like, nope, you don't belong on that record. And then when I was, you know, kind of in the process of realizing I had enough to start working on this one still here, going back into those and being like, oh, I'm ready for you now, you know? So they're not less than, they just weren't of the time. No. Or or they weren't, I'm sure that you know, you know, like that the sequencing of a record, you know, I still think in vinyl. I think of side Absolutely. A, side no, B, song yeah. one, you know, the yeah. opening and closing of each side. Like, that's just how I do it. I won't probably ever do it differently because I have other things to learn in life. <laughs> no, but sequencing, sequencing CDs or playlists. So sequencing is like, very important is what I think what we're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, the song, the idea, whatever it is, it might not be lesser. It might not, it just does not sequence well with the others. Does right. not, you know, whatever sort of, you know, it's kind of like, if for a writer and they're, they're, you know, have short stories or essays. I'm just like, this is a good essay, but it is not part of this book. Yeah, it's or it's you know? not worth expanding upon. Right. Okay. I guess these are all maybe, as we're speaking, maybe it's kind of obvious, but I just, like that example in particular, I, I like lots of bands who put out lots of singles uh, with B-sides on them. And you accept, for me, it was always like a gateway into an alternate universe when I first mm-hmm. got B-sides. I'm like, oh my God, this is from the record session, but it didn't make it. What does that mean? Um, right, and you're but, like, how many more are there, and can yeah, I have them? <laughs> absolutely, it creates mystery. But when I when I I'd like to retract the lesser less than comment because I think if they were truly less than, they could be kept away from the public. Or they, if you really yeah. didn't like something, you wouldn't put it out as a toss off. It's not a toss off. It's just this didn't fit. I guess that's the easier yeah, way of yeah. thinking of it. Okay, fair enough. We've solved that problem. Thank you for helping me oh, with good. that. Uh, I <laughs> let's go back to the bookmark. Um, I don't know if it was just out of necessity or you needed to do it, but like I say, Still Here follows, I think, two collaborative records. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Speak to the reasoning there? Yeah. After Cloud Corner, which came out in 2018, I just was done a little bit there. I was like, I don't know if I have another solo record. Oh. I definitely don't have anything more to say right now on that, you know, was how I felt at the time. And I had this real hankering to 
sit in rooms with other people to see, you know, kind of where stuff went to change up my process. I just had to kind of hit a wall with like me alone with a guitar at that point. I see. And at the same time, these opportunities came up, you know, with Jim and with William. And I've done also during this last couple of years, I've done two, I think, soundtracks, feature film soundtracks mm. that were pretty, pretty lengthy that were solo guitar for the most part. So I did still scratch that itch, but doing a soundtrack is a very, very different way to do that. Um, mm. And it worked, you know, it was like after Lost Futures, the record with William, I, I really felt you know, the record with William is, is much more composed the record with Jim is very free. And I feel like my solo work kind of is somewhere in between those two. And it just felt so good to sort of have different lanes to put things in, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. I really, in retrospect, one of the blocks, if you would call it that, that I was having on continuing just doing solo work was that I had ideas that that just wouldn't reach the best place that they could reach on my own and I ne they needed to get cleared out of the shoot in a way for then the ideas that I could express solo and felt important to express solo hmm. there. I needed to, you know, weed that garden a little bit, I suppose. Okay. And, and it's really super satisfying to have some different avenues to put certain ideas. So would you say, and I appreciate what you're saying about the distinction between those two collaborative records with Jim and William, just in terms of your, you know, your approach to um, songwriting or improvising. Do you feel like those two experiences informed this particular record and your approach to coming back on your own in some way? I don't know if they informed the approach but I think they cleared space for it. One of the reasons I ask, I appreciate that. One of the reasons I ask about it, I am aware uh, as someone who's followed your catalog for some time that you are not, um, despite what we're distinguishing as solo guitar work, your records will contain other textures, yeah. uh, other, in other instrumentation beyond just the primary foundational guitar. And those are all you generally? I yeah. mean, we're generalizing. You're, yeah, 100%. You're like, 100%. Yeah. I don't know. Something about this one, maybe it's the piano, but there, to me there are, I often think of, and again, I'm generalizing. I'm probably someone, a closer listener who goes through your back catalog right now will be like, you're way off on this. But I sometimes think of those textures as less, rather, sorry, in listening to Still Here, I couldn't help but be like, I feel like these textures that I think of as complementary, almost um, uh, under the guitar, seem a bit higher in the mix. I, I feel like some of the striking... I've made some notes about this. Sorry if I'm babbling here. But uh, yeah, this, I'm sorry. I don't want to be that specific. Do you hear where I'm coming from a little it's, bit? Did no, you... it's absolutely true, Vish. It's absolutely oh, true. Good. And intentional. Sorry, I, yeah. Okay. I was speaking from some measure of like, I didn't spend time actually proving my theory no, <laughs> i you, should have spent more right. time listening to okay so yeah. i that's a thing where i thought you were uh maybe drawing upon those experiences with those two fellows who added these more prominent tones 
to mm-hmm. your playing, and then I thought you were like in the. This is you, and you're doing what you used to do before those collaborations, which is add things, but you've mixed them higher, so they are actually less textural and sometimes more the driving force here and there. Definitely. That's, okay, good. Do, can you explain uh, maybe where you're coming from and if my theory is way off about why you made these choices? I consider this record a trio record, but I am the trio. I um. see. <laughs> One person trio, I see. Okay. Yeah. Almost <laughs> all of the songs are three voices. I think there's only one exception to that. I think I'm not sure, but yeah. and 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 it very much feels like ensemble playing, but it's me with me with me, and in that kind of playing, it's not that one voice gets to be stronger, right? It's a more yes. balanced approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was intentional and fun, and the other the other thing I can say about, uh, in particular, the piano, is that I have a very kind of convoluted relationship with that instrument where as a child my brother got piano lessons I got guitar lessons my mom didn't want us to like be in competition with each other and we're very close in age and whatever so but I internalized as that that as I am not allowed to play the piano and that's happening that's happening in my house my daughter will my son has been taking piano for years and we've said do you want to to Ramona do you want to play an instrument no that's a Levon's thing like We'll articulate that, and we're like, no, that's not how life is. I mean, if you if you don't yeah. want to, that's fine. But if you do, it's not just because you can't. It's not just because your sibling is doing it. That means you can't. Sorry, I just got parental there. That's, okay. that's fascinating that you had that same experience. Like, so what would happen yeah. was that I would eavesdrop on my brother's piano lessons, and then when I was left home alone, and this is around <laughs> age, I don't know, eleven or so. When I would be left home alone, I would get his his books that he was studying out of, set them up on the piano, and do his lessons. And then, like, if the car came up the driveway, I would hide them exactly in place so no one would ever know that I did that. Wow. (laughs) and That is fascinating. That's that's how I learned how to play the piano, and that informs, like, (laughs) so much of how I approach that instrument. Like, I still feel (laughs) very, like, oh, no one's supposed to hear me do this. Like, like. (laughs) Wow. Huh. Yeah, it's so so the way that it has been buried in previous records is a reflection of that, right? Is like, well, yeah. it's here, but if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't hear it. It's totally my childhood. Wow, wow, wow. I'm sorry. This is I can't stop saying wow. That's really interesting. <laughs> so because now, it's it begs the question, why why is it up now? Maybe I have worked through some of that feeling or maybe I don't care anymore or maybe it's that mindfulness part or maybe that's uh, you know that's just where the music took me. Like maybe, you know, in driving, walking and sleeping, that's the problem that started to get solved. I don't know. I don't know the answer. You don't think it had anything to do with the previous collaborative pieces or, or the touring that you were? It doesn't feel that way to me. It doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Do you see where I'm coming from though? Like all of a sudden I hear things that I don't normally hear as prominently on your record, which follows two records where, that's a lot of what you as a if you're a fan of Marisa Anderson, at least the last two records are ones where you have to negotiate. Oh, this isn't just Marisa. There's someone else there with her. Mm-hmm. And this in your trio thing, <laughs> it's like I never thought of it that way because I have the context of knowing it's all you making uh-huh. the, the sounds. Uh-huh. But I never thought of it as and I mean, sorry, as someone who understands music production, 
I understand that you're overlaying, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. electric guitar tones on your acoustic guitar, but psychologically. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm like, that's all Marisa. Uh Um, But you are... I've been talking with a lot of people doing this lately uh, in the during the pandemic. They make records where they're multi-tracking vocals like they never have before. They're multi-tracking instruments like they never have before. And I can't help but feel like that might be, beyond a production choice, a, a response to feeling alone. Yeah. Like, I'm I, gonna create I could see how that, you'd come to that. For me, that's definitely not the case. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a continuation of... You know, starting with um, Into the Light, which was the first record that had me uh, overdubbing on myself. So Into the Light and Cloud Corner and now still here, kind of the beginnings of that. Like before that, the traditional public domain songs was one microphone, but I split it and sent it into two amps that were set totally different, differently. And so that was like getting two voices out of one instrument, but it was still like with, you know, um, no overdubs and Mercury and Golden Hour are just straight up guitar, nothing else. So yeah. it's a progression yeah. that I, you know, I think is actually a pretty logical progression of work over the last whatever amount of time it's been. Um, yeah. yeah. Where? No, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's not out of the blue for sure. <sighs> and it's not really related to the pandemic at all. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. It's just a part of your process, and I appreciate that. What I I will say, I've 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 inquired to people uh, where I've heard this, where I've heard this saturation of sound that is a different thing that they've done. I can also reveal that most of them have said what you've said. Oh, huh? I didn't mean what you're saying. I can see what you're saying, mm-hmm. and I can see what you mean. But I never connected the two. I don't know if they've left those my hypothesis thinking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. But I just had someone on, and they're like, "Yeah, this is I've been making music thirty five years. This is the most uh, I, I multi tracked guitars myself. I put my own vocals and layered them. It's the most I've ever done. So maybe what you're saying is true. I don't know. I, and I did it. All, I don't. What the last guy I talked to about this said. I wrote those parts for the other people in my band." But they couldn't do them because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and the lockdown. So they, so he had to create like mm-hmm. a band dynamic yeah. himself. So sorry, I don't necessarily mean like it is a profound decision uh, or poignant decision based on the circumstance. It is one of necessity. But I think if we all, as we as the years go on and we look back 
at the decisions that people like yourself might make, you're going to start to read into them like I already maybe am. That made me sound very smart. Like I'm reading in. I don't, I'm not saying I'm a, uh, some sort of prophet or something. I'm just saying, or I, 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 I'm prescient, but I can't help it. I'm just immersed in all these things. And you like that, that person are doing something different here. And I can't help but wonder yeah. if it's a product. I mean, I would cons. say that there was more layering on Cloud Corner than there is on Still Here. Fair like enough. The, the last track on Cloud Corner Lift has like me overdubbing like seven or eight different instruments you know, right. as Fair a enough. chorus. And this record still here is strictly trio with like, I think one solo. Right. Piece. Okay. All so. right. No, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you fielding a potentially wild question uh, or observation. Um, uh, I know you were, we were talking earlier about how you don't know um, maybe where things uh, came from per se, as you picked up your guitar and your guitar and you had a chat, but as you sequence the record and you ponder it, process the album now that it's done, do you have any insight about the mood and the tone overarchingly? I just wonder, because I have some thoughts. Uh, and again, I said from the get-go, I bring what I bring. Everyone's going to bring their own thing Absolutely. to your record. And I know or this. I've made some notes about some of the things that I've been thinking about as I listen to some of the songs specifically. For you, though, what do you think? Do you have a sense? Like, is there an overarching feeling that this record gives you? Hmm. This record t- was made over a long time. It was probably the beginnings of the ideas that became some of the songs on this record are more than four years old. You know, they predate Cloud Corner. So it would be tricky to... I see, okay. ...to yeah. sort of say there was this particular mood or it came from the pandemic or it came from you know i don't think i could say that because it's too it spans too much time but obviously like i did pick the songs to sequence with each other so if i had to say something smart about that i would say <laughs> that the first like the word that comes to my head is the word distance and i that the theme I don't know that there is a theme, but, and I would love to actually hear your thoughts on that. And then I could agree or disagree. And that'd be so much easier than uh, this up is what we always do. Though. This is what we always do. I say a bunch of stuff. You tell me what you think of it. Sometimes you think I'm way off and sometimes I'm close. Uh, and there's no, there's no right or wrong answer, but I no, always, there's not. I know that uh, you're going to uh, consider what I say carefully and, and, and not uh, also not hold, uh, hold back if you don't, agree or what what have you. So I wanted to give you a chance to speak first because I tend to um, hypothesize uh, before okay, my guests so, sometimes. I'm thinking about some things that are different on this record. Like you pointed out that the piano in particular is much higher in the mix and a much more prominent and on one song perhaps the leading instrument, right? Yeah. And then the other big difference to my mind is that there's a picture of me on the cover. And I've never done that on a record. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, that's correct. Yeah. I've never done that. And and so to me, that's... And I, again, like I don't know why I did that, but that became what I knew it needed to be, right? Um, well, does it not... And that in combination with the name. Yeah, does that... I was going to say, doesn't that pay... It's a If you look at still here, still comma here, rather, as a mm-hmm. kind of double entendre, if you will, or whatever, mm-hmm. having a double mm-hmm. meaning... A picture of you. I mean, to me, that expression in a picture of you represents agency. 
I, yes. I existence. Um, yes. Is that probably where that decision probably came from? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think that you have better access to thinking in words than I do. So <laughs> I'm pretty tired today. Actually, I feel like I'm fumbling about. But I know I, I. But just in general, I feel yeah. like your thought process and the way that you access. Like you know, get to something. It's like through words, and I don't think that I. Oh, I see what you mean. Do that as well. I see what you, you mean. Know what sure, I mean? that's your practice so, and mine. So like, yeah. So <laughs> the next time we do one of these, like, you got to have a guitar handy, and just re- <laughs> respond to every one of my questions by playing. Oh, that would be that one. That would be even keel. We would be on the same footing then. That would be amazing. No, I I appreciate what you're saying, but I think you are not one to suggest. As much as you've sort of conveyed, I don't know. You've said I don't know a few times today. You tend to... <laughs> Sorry. No, no. And that's not a language deficiency. That is an honest expression. I don't know. I don't know why yeah. my fingers and the and guitar... It's also yeah. an expression of saying, I don't... I'm choosing to not look further than right. what is. Right? right. I'm choosing to not deconstruct aspects of whether it's my identity, my compositional process, like where ideas come from some things some stones are better left unturned and that's know? that's fair and a part of my investigative journalism is to prod and provoke yes, um, some absolutely. of these things and i think what you're maybe getting at i hope as a compliment is talking to people like me who maybe are thinking of things and verbalizing them could at the best in the best case scenario or even if it goes sideways gives you some insight about your own work I would say yes, that like in the history of these conversations that we have, our our yearly date, that I learned things that um, I wasn't aware of about my own work. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've mixed it up over with Jim and uh, on our own. We've mixed it up over the difference or distinctions or similarities between improvisation and composition. I know I can remember those are coming to me now. I learn a lot from your records. I learn a lot from these conversations. So I'm with you on that, not to make this a compliment fest, but I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you completely. Um, where I was coming from, though, uh, about the mood and the tone, and what, sorry, I want to go back to what you were saying. You were saying some of these songs precede Cloud Corner, and you, I think you applied four years. Some of the songs are at least four years old, right? Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And yeah. so I don't know how to ask this exactly. Do you know how many of those songs are four years or more? Like, I understand. I don't know how many, but I know for sure that the first piece, the opening piece, predates what was something that I was working on, thinking it would go on Cloud Corner. Right. And then it didn't It didn't fit there. And it was, you know, it was without the piano and without, it was just the, the that main kind of, that's a, you know, very much an improvisation. Right. And I know that, that had been in the running for Cloud Corner, and so that's how I know that these ideas started earlier. Yeah. Well, you made a kind of. A... I feel like the last song on the B side too was I had that little piano figure. I've had that for years. Yeah. Just years. Like I don't know where it came from or anything, you know. Okay. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. You kind of made some acknowledgement that you feel like these songs all must want to live together because you put the record together. Um, So one thing we could do before I get into some thoughts about various songs and the moods that I took away from them, I I guess I just want to get at the emotional dynamics of it. If you can say 
definitively that maybe songs that I find moodier or pensive emanate from one particular era in your life versus the ones that are more upbeat. Um, or you often, it's funny, I feel like in your solo work, you, you have a tendency to pay more homage to others by covering people or mm. or revisiting folk songs that are traditional mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you that also i don't believe did you i don't think you did much of that sorry again my research is shoddy i don't feel like you did too much of that with william or jim is that right i didn't do any of that with william it's in there on the record with jim but it's faint and yeah it's, it's not prominent there's some stuff in there that kind of hidden in some of those oh i see pieces but they're not it's not overt no you couldn't sorry in terms of attribution it's not like you would credit someone for as a co-writer or or, not really no it's more of just a lean or a nod there's at least one song on this record that is a traditional mexican folk song is that correct yeah there's there's two songs that i would say were our traditional songs on this record yeah I don't, again, I don't mean to psychoanalyze. That's interesting in itself. You and your solo, because you've done this throughout your career. You've paid tribute to others. You've made records devoted to mm-hmm. others, uh, or or rather compositions by others, if not specific people. And yet when you collaborate, that's it. There's another person there. I feel like when you do a cover, you're conjuring a person. When you do a traditional song, you're conjuring a history of people. Um, a people's history, if you will. So that's interesting in itself, but I don't have a question. That's just an observation I'm making. <laughs> and an observation back at you, which was, you know, I was we were discussing the differences on this record. Another one is that I've never included traditional songs on... I've never mixed. Like, I did yes. a record of traditional songs, and I've done some singles, but my records have always been my music, and on this particular record... There are two songs that are not songs that I wrote. Yeah, yeah, I'm also thinking live. I believe I've seen you. I do that quite a bit. Live, yeah, yeah, cover other people's. Okay, let's just dig into that for one quick second at least. What do you think's going on there? Um, why pay tribute to others on a solo, Marisa? There's a wow. There's a lot of different stuff on this record as we're talking now. But why do that on this <laughs> record? Do you think? Well, when I do traditional songs. I think of them as belonging to everybody. They're part of our shared history. They're part of our shared conversation. They're part of a template, if you will, through which life or existence or relationship or what what have you, the big questions, they're, they're templates through which these kinds of questions or observations get answered, right? We turn to hard times come again no more is a great example, right? It's just like, that's like, what else are you going to say yeah. than that phrase, you know, yeah. over and over and over again, like a prayer or a mantra or whatever they're useful right so i think that when i was making this record and you know while it is not a pandemic record it was made during the pandemic so you can't separate out absolutely that you know that was happening while i was making it i wasn't making the record about it it doesn't fall all within the timeline but like that's where i was and that's what was happening but there were many other things happening too Mm. you know including the protests on the street in Portland all summer of 2020, um, you know, all of the things that we know just happened over the last two years were not only about the pandemic, right? And of so, of course not, yeah. This this record similarly addresses a lot of different things happening during during that time period with ideas that might or might not be from generated from within that time period. And the two covers, um, I would say, La Llorona. It's just like that's been in my head for years and years. I love that song. It's just, you know, 
so that's just like showing my cards in a way of like, okay. oh, yeah. this, the stuff that I make, this is one of the pieces I make it out of. And then like here is here it is in a more literal sense, right? And then um, the other one, bang the drum, that's that's very much a response to kind of pandemic reality. Um, a couple songs that got stuck in my head just in response to reading the news, right? Where mm-hmm. the streets of Laredo, which, so, you know, if if the, if there's a tree trunk, that is a song, and then we have the branches, right? The the tree trunk of Streets of Laredo and many other songs is any song that has, like, somebody wrapped in white linen, pulled by however many horses, maybe there's some silver, like, you know, St. James Infirmary, Streets of Laredo, Beat the Drum. Like, these all kind of date back, as far as I can tell, to about the 1600s in Ireland. And um, Beat the Drum slowly, play the fife slowly. Play the fife slowly. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're instruction songs on um, how to deal with death. Yes. That's what they all are. Yes. They're like, like when there is death, this is what you do. Yes. And I started to think of them as collective grieving songs and like protocol for grief yeah. and protocol for massive dying events. And yeah, you know, where are you going to go from there? We There's a long tradition in folk music in particular. This, the, you've mentioned a bunch of songs that stand out and have stood the test of time. But I think sometimes when they are conjured by a contemporary artist like yourself, uh, they are meant to try to help us make sense of the current time. And I think also that's a recognition that we live in this these bizarre cycles, that history is, mm-hmm. is the present. So I'm going to hypothesize again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm going to guess again that you subconsciously or consciously are conjuring these ideas and these songs, rather, and the motifs that they have conveyed to try to make sense of now on some level. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Also, that's just what, like, it's just started getting into my head. Like, this, like, beat the drum slowly, play the fife lowly was just going around and around and around in my head in response to, like, death counts. Yes. You know? And then the... Streets of Laredo, both the death count and that you have this cowboy dying. It's in Texas, and it's like yeah. there's some other things going on there, right? Mm-hmm. Like those were just circling in my head. Like oh, you know, I was almost it was like an exorcism. It was like okay, some, something is asking me to say it. Well, circling, so I will just try to say it. Circling speaks to the cycling that I was talking about too. Like it's really sad that we don't learn from our history collectively, mm-hmm. and we saw that happen in very rapid real time with this pandemic like as yeah. we're speaking as you and I are speaking right now your CDC has said F it we're not even going to do anything anymore <laughs> and and everyone every time that happens someone is like remember six months ago remember three months ago you did that <laughs> and then everything that's why we have to keep making the you already said that mm-hmm. actually and mm-hmm. and you just quietly brought it back because you didn't want to seem like you had egg on your face Anyway, all I'm getting at is I'm sure your choices there are, are informed by this helpless historical feeling. Yeah. You know, we're not yeah, learning. That song in particular yeah. is, is you know, that's a pandemic response for sure. Yeah. But turning towards information we all share already. Yeah. It's a, yeah. This cultural information. Well, all I was going to get, I have some sort of specific things that I was going to say, but all I'll say is there. I'm so curious. I want to know. Well, okay. I'll, I actually, I don't, as listeners know, I don't often make a ton of notes, but I actually did uh, Right. I'll just, I'll read you what I wrote kind of in point form here. Uh, listening to something like the low country, I can't help but feel melancholy. 
The fire this time and night air each feel pensive and suspenseful. Then there are pieces like The Crack Where the Light Gets In and your version of the Mexican folk song, La Llorona, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. La Llorona. Thank you. That I find utterly uplifting. All I was kind of, they're not profound notes, but I I guess I was Uh wondering, because I know that they capture something about the time and place that you were in and we were all in socioculturally, but I, and you've spoken to this already, I guess I'm always on the hunt for why you suppose the guitar communicated these these kinds of moods back to you. There's no right or wrong answer here, a definitive answer. And again, you'd have to be like, well, I, I did that in 2019 and I did that in 2017. Like, I, yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost going to be impossible. But I just can't help but wonder. And again, I think we've, sorry, my notes are outdated. I feel like you've covered some of this ground already. But if you, that's just where I was coming from. Like, it is a particularly yeah. emotionally dynamic record from what I'm bringing to it and what I'm hearing um, it sounds yeah, to me like you. Sure. It sounds to me like you would agree that it's yeah, yeah. definitely, okay. definitely. And I guess I would say in response to an earlier question about like, is there a theme or you know yeah. something um, to that effect? In this conversation, maybe I'm realizing that there is like one of the the themes of this record is a certain loneliness or melancholy. Yeah, like when like kind of just hearing what you said about the song, so I was like, oh yeah, yeah. That there is, yeah, it's it's a lonely record. Even though I did not feel alone or lonely making it, I but the like I can I can yeah. It's a, it's it a seems record. to me to be a response to loneliness is what I was trying to get yeah. to half an hour ago yeah. about how you. Tri- I don't think I realized that, but I I can't disagree with you there. Yeah, okay, it does feel that way. Well, I'm all I'm saying is it gets to me. Um, I think it is definitely more of a record of its time than some others I've heard. And I, I hope that's, um, for those listening, this is an instrumental expression. So everything you're hearing yeah. us talk about is derived from, I would say, pure feeling and thought, but pure feeling. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to convey what I feel about the feelings that you've expressed with your work here, Marisa. And I just want to say it feels very timely and perfect uh, in a lot of Hi, ways. Thank you, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, as always, uh, I want to ask you what you're working on uh, beyond this. Uh, we are speaking, uh, as people are hearing this, the record's almost out. We're speaking, I think, quite in advance of that because you're going to go on, You, by the time people hear this, you will have been on a tour with William. Is that right? Yeah, I leave um, in four days. William and I are going to do two weeks in the UK and Europe. And then I'm going to do, I think, two and a half or three weeks solo in Europe. And, yeah, the record comes out September 23rd. I don't know when when this Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's fine. Well, suspend no. disbelief. We've talked before <laughs> that, but uh, it's a podcast. People understand yeah, yeah. it's recorded. Uh, yeah, this will be out uh, right around. Uh, people will get to hear the record uh, either right uh, in the next few days, I would argue, I would say, rather, or uh, the record's out and just came out. So let's leave it at that for now as I as I figure out the scheduling on my own terms. But I, that's my plan, uh, is to precede the release of the recording, uh, r- rather the, the release of the album uh, with this podcast. Sorry, very jumbled. My point is this. By the time people hear this, you'll be back from tour, ideally. Is that right? No, nah, I close? think I get back early October from the oh, okay. Europe. And then I go, I'm out again. Um, I have a couple weeks off at home and then I'm out the end of October, most of November, beginning of December, but that's going to be more in the U.S. This uh, record is coming out 
following, I believe, your longest stretch of not being on the road. Uh, the road is still dicey from all the conversations I'm having with musicians and all the news reports. How are you feeling about yeah. hitting the road? Uh, just kind of fatalistic. Like, I'm going. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. <laughs> have I'm you, not, not going. Have you had the th- the COVID? I've had the thing, yeah. I've, oh, okay. I had it in January. I'm, you know, trip double double shot and a booster you know it just oh, it, you it, still it, got it or you have no so you've had the I, double booster no i i got i got covid after getting two shots and a booster oh, yeah yeah which they said was the mask thing seems to be the main thing i don't want to go on one of my soapbox things but it seems like it's I don't know. Sorry, man. The whole thing is frustrating. Like going back to the streets of Laredo, it's frustrating. We know <laughs> there that is it's a the protocol. Th- We're supposed to wrap in white linen. <laughs> well, there's three things that they've always said we should do, and they got rid of at least two of them: the social distancing and the masking. It's just now everyone's like, "I got the thing. That's enough." But they're like, "No, like, I don't know what's going on." But you're a musician. You have to. You have to ignore probably two of the three things and take your more or less you know are you okay did, did you recover yeah. okay okay it was right. easy it really wasn't hard i the cat was really happy he just sat on me for four <laughs> days and I, I i never watched like tv things it's not part of my life yeah. at all so i watched some some tv things that were on oh, the good. netflix hey know? what'd you watch this is true we whenever we talk i'm like have you seen that thing and you're like no i have not i don't watch anything <laughs> i I just watched the first thing that Netflix fed me, which was Ozark. It was like, you know, ah. when you turn on Netflix and there's like the big thing. I just, I was sick. I was just like, okay, I'll watch that. And I didn't even watch the whole season, but that's uh, what I did. Let's like, turn the tables. I'm behind on Ozark. I People keep telling me I should watch it, but I'm slow sometimes. I was slow to the show I really love, Better Call Saul, and now it's all I think about. I just, wow. as we're speaking, the uh, series finale will be airing. Uh, next week and I, I'm going to go through a little withdrawal because I love it so much wow. and if you're bored I recommend it if you like uh, I can see uh, you know what if you do watch it send me a report I have no idea I'm, if you would like it or not I'm curious but it's a fast talking suspenseful stressful funny as hell show like it, for me it, it scratches a lot of itches is all I'll say if it's on the airplane I will watch it <laughs> it's on if Netflix it might- yeah it's, I would yeah, just, I don't. I just don't watch things. That's yeah, just not. I know. Like I don't. It's just whatever. I was. I had COVID. I watched a thing. <laughs> then I never. Once I didn't have COVID, I never thought about it again. Which okay. Was well, perfect. I, I, you know. I hope. But you if don't. I watch the Saul one, I will tell you. Tell me what you think. Yeah, send me a note. Okay. Uh, if people want to. So the record is out on Thrill Jockey, so people can go to thrilljockey.com or their local record store and demand. Uh, that they stock Amanda. still still here by Marisa Anderson. Where else can people go to learn more about uh, you and your work? Uh, following yeah. links, Bandcamp. Um, I have a website. It's Marisa Anderson Music. Um, all the, all the things like if my name has one S in it, M A R I S A. If you're searching, mm-hmm. um, and if you if you put that in, you'll you'll it's easy to find me on the interwebs. I, I'll link to a bunch of stuff in the yeah. podcast paraphernalia yeah. anyway so that should guide people uh, Marisa if yeah. we can go out on a song from Still Here which again as people are hearing this will be out soon I only say this because sometimes people have uh, well here's the single what's the single uh, you know anyway oh, if we, <laughs> I don't think you or Thrill Jockey are going to be that hyper about that kind of thing if we can go out on a song no. from Still Here can you choose one for us and also uh, tell us why it came to mind 
Uh, I, the one that comes to mind is the fire this time. And I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> that is the that is the constant refrain from this conversation, and I'm okay with it. What did I say about it? I didn't say much. I just said that I found this piece quite uplifting. So if listeners, listen to it. Let me and Marisa know if you were uplifted at the end, and uh, we can have a debate or something. Um, but uh, I think it's a beautiful song, and I think this whole record's great. So yeah, let's hear it right now. It's the second song on Still here this is the fire this time by marisa anderson marisa it's always such a huge honor and a pleasure to get to chat with you uh, i thank I you so it. much thanks Vish. I, I really yeah. appreciate it best luck on tour and everything else thank you <laughs> Thank you. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, I just can't thank Marisa Anderson enough. This is her fifth time on the show. I don't remember every single uh, episode. I have a very strong memories of her first time on the show because she came to my house and we had pizza from one of my favorite pizza places in Guelph. Then one time I met her at the Transac. Then the other time it was her and Jim White on like Zoom, one of the first times maybe I ever used Zoom, I think, or early days of me using Zoom. And then she was on with William Tyler with Zoom. Anyway, I think this is this is right up there. This might be my favorite one. Marisa, if you're listening still or listening back, I doubt you are. Thank you once again for appearing on this, the 718th episode of Creative Control. Everyone else, this podcast is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. I said podcast a lot there. I might want to think about editing the script. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, <laughs> or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Instagram and on Twitter at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. Uh, you get the episodes earlier than everyone else nowadays. Uh, what else do you get? Yeah, you get old stuff from my audio archives, uh, interviews I, I've conducted uh, uh, prior to starting this podcast, and anything else I think is interesting that I'd like to share. And uh, yeah, that's for $6 or more a month, but you can donate whatever you want. You can change it at any point. If you start out high, you can bring it down. If you start out low, you can bring it up. It's great, I think. So thank you for the support. It's the main source of revenue I get for this show. I wish this was all I could do with my life, is just do this show. But uh, sadly, I don't think that day is ever going to come. It's a very nice and generous Patreon, but it's modest. I'm doing my best. I think you appreciate that. I've said too much. Patreon.com slash Creative Control if you want to support the show. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt while supplies last, message me on Patreon. Thanks again to uh, Blackbird Music, an amazing record store with locations in Calgary and Edmonton, Alberta. They will for sure... I think, have copies of Still Here by Marisa Anderson, so I would go to blackbird.ca and order one for yourself. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie. He lets me use music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Marisa. I hope you enjoyed it and took something away from it. 
And we'll check out all of Marisa's music, including her new album, Still Here. Thanks for subscribing to this podcast, following it, telling your friends about it. I'm going to go. I'm a little hyper, as you might be able to tell. Talk to you soon. Goodbye for now.